and uh, we are in a series called God is God and everything else is an illustration. Um, to introduce the message today and remind us of what this series is about, um, I thought about Donald Miller. He's an author, wrote a book called, he's written a bunch of books, but wrote a book called Blue Like Jazz. And he says, Donald Miller says that reading the Bible is like going on blind dates with Jesus. Um, that as you read it, there's just different aspects of what God is like. You, you find out what he thinks, how he feels, how he interacts with people. And so reading the Bible really is an opportunity to spend time with God. Um, and this is what we're doing in this series. We're looking at the early stories of Genesis and we're seeing that God is God. He's not us. He's different from us. Um, but these stories are teaching us what he's like and what it means to have a relationship with him. And we've been learning the last few weeks that, that God is a God of rest, that God is not a God of slavish, tyrannical, incessant, arduous labor, um, that God wants us to rest. You know, we've seen that God works six days, and then Genesis 2 verse 3 says this. It says, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And so this seventh day, uh, it's, it's God has given us a gift. He's given us this divine excuse to take a day off, to rest, to pray, and to play. And God's rest becomes a pattern for us. It's, it's really a command. It turns into a command. And we've been looking at what this command is and what this command means. And we've seen in the last two weeks that taking a day off means that God is saying something to us. Okay, And as a review, we've seen that the Sabbath, in the Sabbath, through the Sabbath, God says to us, first he says, done, not do. Um, that the Sabbath itself says salvation isn't about what you do, it's about what Jesus has already done. And so the Sabbath is that message from God. The Sabbath also is God saying to us that time is you heading toward my eternal rest. That history is heading toward the day when you will come face to face with me. And we're supposed to remember that every single week that we observe the Sabbath. And so um, this is so important that it's actually one of the Ten Commandments. Um, the Ten Commandments are listed in two different places in the Bible. Not everybody knows that. A lot of people know, if you've been around the church, you've been familiar with the Bible, most people know that um, the book of Exodus has one list of the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, but the Ten Commandments shows up again in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, Deuteronomy, the word Deuteronomy, Deutero means second, Nonomy means law, and it's the second giving of the law. This is God giving the law to his people right before they enter into the promised land, and the Ten Commandments show up there too. And in both places, the command is the same, but the reason for the command is different, okay? And so in Deuteronomy 5, verses 12 to 14, this is in your bulletin. So you can look there. There's also a place there to take notes. But you'll see in verses 12 to 14, this is the command. Again, the command is the same in Deuteronomy and Exodus. It says this, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. 
On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who's within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. So this is the fourth of the Ten Commandments. And again, the command is the same in Exodus and Deuteronomy, but the reason given for the command is different. Let me show you. In Exodus 20, verse 11, God says this. After giving the command to keep the Sabbath, he says, For, because, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So this is the reason he gives in Exodus. But in Deuteronomy, the reason given to observe the Sabbath is different. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse... 15, it says this, it says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And so the reasons are different. That's not Deuteronomy 20, 15. It's actually Deuteronomy 5, verse 15. Sorry about that. So Exodus says, take the day off to pray and play and rest because of God's act of creation. But Deuteronomy says, take the day off to rest and to pray and play because of God's act of salvation. So Exodus highlights creation. Deuteronomy highlights salvation. And so today we're going to dive into Deuteronomy's reason uh, because it reveals something more about who God is and what God is like. And the big picture, the, the, the main idea that I want you to get across, that I want to get across to you today, the thing I want you to take away from today is that through the Sabbath, the God of the Bible says, you are no longer slaves. This is the message of the Sabbath, that you are no longer slaves. I mean, this is exactly what the text says. In Deuteronomy 5.15, it just says, look at it again. Verse 15, it says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. I mean, God wrote this to the nation of Israel, the, the nation that he rescued, that he set free through the parting of the Red Sea at the Exodus. And God told them you were to rest and to take a day to rest and pray and play You'll remember on this day that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And so there's a story behind the Sabbath in the Old Testament. The Sabbath became part of the script for God's people in the Old Testament. Israel spent 400 years as slaves in Egypt. I mean, they suffered there forever. I mean, if you think about that, like 400 years. I mean, we think a year takes a long time. We think five years is an eternity, right? 400 years. If we were enslaved today, then we and our descendants after us would be slaves until the year 2419. 
Our country hadn't even been around for that long. I mean, this is an enormous amount of time. Israel suffered in Egypt forever. The Egyptian king made them into slaves. He killed their newborn children, and they slaved in making bricks to build the cities of Egypt. And 400 years, that's seven generations. Seven generations, and they were never allowed to rest. But God wants them to remember not just that, but God wants them to remember that he rescued them that God delivered them in the great act of salvation in the Old Testament. God destroyed the power of the Egyptians. They were the, the world power at the time, and God destroyed their power, and God's people followed Moses and walked out of Egypt. They walked out. God brought them out through Moses by parting the Red Sea, and so they left Egypt through the Red Sea, and then the sea swallowed up the armies of Pharaoh as they chased after them so that there would be no more chase, that God set his people free. And so because of this, God says, every week for the rest of your existence, I want you to remember what I did when I rescued you from slavery so that you could finally rest, that you are no longer slaves. Every week I want you to remember that you were slaves in Egypt but you are no longer slaves. And so this was the story of the nation of Israel. And it was, I mean, just, it was profound and it changed everything. It was like a brand new beginning for the nation. And in Exodus 12, God even told Moses that he was gonna restart their calendar. And so their calendar got restarted right after the Exodus. The Exodus was Israel's then, it was their Independence Day and it was their January 1st. And so from that moment on, the year began in the celebration of the Exodus. Again, this, in this new beginning, in this new identity as God's people, rescued from Egypt, they were no longer slaves. And so again, every week, I mean, there was still work to do, right? They still had farms, they still had to trade, they still had to buy and sell goods, they still had to raise families. But every week, God wanted them to say, yes, there's still work to do, but now we can stop. We can choose to stop for a day. We're not slaves anymore. And so the Sabbath, again, was designed by God to be this weekly experience of freedom, They weren't slaves because God saved them and set them free. No more taskmasters. No more condemned to a life where everything that you do is dictated to you. Uh, That life wasn't perfect by any stretch, but they weren't slaves anymore. And, And there's a reason why it's so important to understand the connection between the Sabbath and the history of Israel in the Old Testament. And that's because there's still a connection between the Sabbath and the history of Christians in the New Testament. Because for God's people in the Old Testament, the exodus from Egypt was this great act of salvation. But for God's people in the New Testament, there's an even greater act of salvation through Jesus. In fact, the New Testament describes the work of Jesus as a new exodus. 
Okay, the New Testament says that Jesus came to set us free from a different kind of slavery. We're not enslaved in Egypt. We haven't been enslaved in Egypt. Uh, but the Bible says that we were enslaved to sin. That none of us have lived perfectly the way that God wants us to live. We all have parts of our hearts, parts of our minds, parts of our bodies that don't do what God wants, that even don't want what God wants for us. And so in our thoughts, in our words, in our feelings, in our actions, we can see and we, can, and we certainly show by the things that we do that we're infected by this disease of sin. And it's not just a disease. It's, it's, it's like a mastery because all of us have hurt other people. Uh, we've all had moments in our lives where we've ignored God and ignored what God wants for us. And the Bible describes this as slavery to sin. Um, and it's bad news, but it's true. It's true. Um, I think it's helpful to admit that it's true because then we can receive the Bible's prescription for it and the solution that the Bible provides. So like I said, many parts of the New Testament actually describe the work of Jesus as though he is a new Moses leading his followers in a new exodus. And I could give you probably 50 verses on this, but I'm just going to give you, I want to show you a couple of big picture places. Uh, Matthew's gospel especially shows the parallels between the life and the work of Jesus and the life and the work of Moses. And there's so much more detail here, but um, just to give you an overview, um, Matthew 1 to 9 shows Jesus as the new Moses. In chapter 2, Jesus' birth is like Moses. You know, when the wise men show up and Herod kills all the newborn children, all the boys in the town. Well, that's similar to what happened when Moses was born. The, the Pharaoh was killing the babies uh, of the, or the Jewish male children. And so there's a parallel there. Um, in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus' baptism is like Israel's Red Sea crossing. The waters are parted, the heavens are opened, and the Spirit of God is there. In chapter 4, Jesus' temptation is Israel's desert wanderings that Jesus is, is in the desert for 40 days, parallel to Israel's desert wanderings of 40 years. And then in Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus goes up on a mountain and delivers the new law to the new Israel, paralleling Moses on Mount Sinai, receiving the law of God and giving the law then to the old Israel. And so the point of this is that when the New Testament writers experienced the work of Jesus, when they realized what Jesus had done. They realized that Jesus' work on the cross and in the resurrection, it rescued them from slavery to sin. They realized that there was like a new power, that something was different, that something was new, that God was present in a way that he hadn't been before in their lives. And they realized that Jesus' work, it breaks the power of sin in our lives. It gives us this new allegiance that when we line up the direction of our lives to follow Jesus, when we bow our knee and say, Jesus, I want to follow you with everything that I have. Jesus, wherever you lead me, I'm sorry, I've spent so much of my life not following you, going after my own ways. I've spent so much time justifying my actions and making excuses for why I am the way I am or comparing myself to other people and saying, well, at least I'm not that bad or at least I'm not like that person. I'm not doing that anymore. Jesus, I just want to follow you because of what you've done for me. When you do that, the power of Jesus sets you free from slavery to sin. 
This is what they discovered. They experienced this. And as you follow Jesus, you've experienced this. You realize that there's this strength that comes from Jesus, that when your eyes are set on him, what you want is different. That when you're consciously aware, when you are remembering that he is your king, all of a sudden, you want different things. It doesn't mean that the struggle goes away, but you're not in bondage anymore. You don't have to do it anymore. And so this new allegiance, it empowers us to live free. And again, there's so much that we could say about this. And, and this other place I want to show you in Romans chapters 3 through 8, it shows not that Jesus is the new Moses, but it shows that we as his followers are the new Israel, and we're being led out of bondage to our sin um, as we identify with Jesus and follow him. And so... Uh, in Romans 1 to 3, again, again, just an overview, it shows that we are enslaved to sin. And then Romans 3 through 5 says that we are redeemed, we are set free by Jesus' sacrifice. In chapter 6, the discussion about baptism, this is a rehearsal that, that our baptism is our Red Sea crossing, our leaving the bondage of sin and entering into freedom. In chapter 7 of Romans, um, we see that the law given at Mount Sinai is still a struggle for us because we want to obey it, but we don't find in ourselves always the desire to obey it. And so there's still this struggle. And then in Romans chapter 8, we, we see that there's a vision for life following Jesus, that it's, it's a life that is full of God's blessing, and yet life is a desert journey on the way to God's new earth. And so, the point of all of this, the point of all this is that we need to see Christianity as this new exodus, because when we see it this way, then the weekly Sabbath is God still speaking to us. The Sabbath is still an opportunity for us to remember um, that remember that we are no longer slaves of sin. Like that's the point. That's the design of God. That's the message that God wants to communicate to you. That's what God wants you to experience when you take a day off every week to rest and pray and play. At Harbor, we talk sometimes about learning how to preach the gospel to ourselves. And this is where we are trying to get to a place where when we struggle with sin, when we struggle with brokenness, when we struggle with not being what God wants us to be, we try to remember the gospel. We try to remind ourselves, wait a second, Jesus loves us. Jesus died for our sins, so we're forgiven and accepted. And that reminds us that we're not excluded from God just because we're broken. That God loves broken people, right? These are ways that we preach the gospel to ourselves. The Sabbath is an entire day that's designed for you to preach the gospel to yourself. The Sabbath is a day that you can experience the rest and the freedom that comes from Jesus. It sounds great, doesn't it? I mean, really, doesn't it? Like a whole day where you could just walk in the Holy Spirit, where you could walk filled with the presence of God, where you can walk and live and act in ways that would remind you that this is now who you are because of Jesus. So why is it so hard for us? 
Like, why is it so difficult? Like, why are you already feeling guilty because you know that you could never, ever do this? Well, I think that the reason it's so difficult is because the slavery that is in us is really, really deep. That we have a spiritual and a psychological slavery to all kinds of patterns. Um, I feel like one of the reasons why this is the fourth commandment in the Ten Commandments given to Israel is because God realized that Israel had been living as slaves for 400 years. And if he didn't make this one of the top 10, there's no way this could, this new pattern, this new muscle memory could have taken effect in their lives and in their culture. And they still struggled to do it. Like, it wasn't like, oh, hey, here's a top 10. We need to make sure we do this. And they did it. Um, they struggled so many ways like we do. Um, when you begin, and we've been talking about this now. This is the third week. So I know some of you are taking steps forward in this observing of, of, a, whole, of, of a day off to rest, to pray, and to play. When you start trying to do this, you find new opposition right? Like all of a sudden, there's all kinds of things that crowd in and make it really difficult. This is not easy. Um, and it's because, again, this slavery runs deeper. We need to realize that we are slaves to our culture, that we have a culture that is out of step with this way of thinking about time and about activity, and our culture's busyness is constantly trying to sweep us up in its current. It's constantly trying. It's got this current, and you just, to, to be in it is to be pulled in this direction, no matter what you do. To try to observe a Sabbath, to try to take a day off, to rest and play and pray, is literally swimming upstream. I mean, it's not literally swimming upstream, but it's as hard as swimming upstream. <laughs> And so it's sweeping us into its current. It's trying to press us into its mold. And the question is, what do we do? What do we do about this? How are we free? And Romans 12 verse 2 gives us a bit of a hint. It says this. It says, do not be conformed to this world. And you're like, all right, great. That's fine. How? 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 Right? Well, don't worry. Here it is. But be transformed by the renewal of of your mind, to so be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And so this means change the way that you think. This means change the way that you evaluate, change the way that you make decisions about your life, change the narrative that you think you're living in. If you can grab a hold of the narrative that you are someone living as one of God's people in the story of the new exodus, that you once were slaves of sin, but you've been set free through the work of Jesus, if that becomes more and more the center narrative that you are living in, you'll be transformed. You'll be transformed because if you are no longer a slave of sin, because you're participating in this new exodus, then your week looks different because your God, your heavenly father, 
the one who knows what's best for you and has described for you directions and commands in your life that are meant to set you free. He has called you to take a day off. And if that's the case, like this is how mind renewal works and it will set you free from incessant busyness. And so we're slaves to our culture. We're enslaved to our economy. I mean, there's deep-rooted stuff inside of our hearts and our minds that dictate our actions. We're swept up into the thinking of our economy that says, you will be happy. Our economy promises that you'll be happy. You just need to get a little bit more. Just need a little bit more. And you're not enslaved to that. What am I saying? Like, I, I'm, I'm just kidding. You're not really enslaved to that, right? No, this is not a struggle for you. But when the phone, the new phone comes out, well, the camera's nicer. My screen's cracked, right? A friend of yours has a new car, and all of a sudden you're like, well, what's up with my car, Right? And sometimes it's, it's like, well, okay, I make this much money, but if I just made this much, then I'd be happy. And that thinking, like it's in us. It's like, it's in the, wa- it's in the air that we breathe, right? And we don't even know that we're doing this because it's just all, the whole culture is aiming in this direction. And because of all this, there's no time to stop. There's no time to rest because I, I, I know, I know that I'll be happy if I just have a little bit more. Like I know that. I know it for sure. But the Sabbath says, do not be conformed to this world. The Sabbath says, you know what? You have everything that you need and what you want will actually get you enslaved. And so the Sabbath says, look, hard stop. It's done, not do. The Sabbath says you need to take at least a day where you just remember, you know what? I have everything that I need. I don't need more to become happy. That getting more isn't gonna make me happy. I have all that I need in Jesus and in the people that I know and love. The culture messes us up even when it comes to entertainment, right? I mean, not just that it delivers entertainment to us, it feeds parts of us that really ought not be fed, parts of us that ought to be um, killed, (laughs) destroyed, but there's nothing wrong with entertainment. There's nothing wrong with resting. There's nothing wrong with playing, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But man, the culture says, oh, you know what? Let me give you, let me just drop 15 episodes of the next season of whatever, right? And now, oh, you know what? Okay, on this time, you know, during this day, I'm going to play. And so I'm going to just watch. Seriously, right? Nine episodes, just one more. Like I know it's 2.30 in the morning, right? But it's just one more. 
it's like 48 minutes, and they, I, I'm convinced. It used to be because the commercials would make it, you know, exact half hour, exact hour. But now I'm convinced that we know if it was an hour-long episode, we'd be like, well, I can't do another hour. But it's just 48 minutes. So I think we're okay, right? I mean, this is what happens. And they know. They know. They know. And so they take even things that are designed for entertainment, and they turn them into, write this phrase down, infinite time sucks. Infinite time sucks. All of the most successful social media apps, some of the most successful websites have been transformed. I, I, used, to, I used to go on ESPN and read articles, and at the bottom of the web, there was a bottom of the website. Like, I could read an article and I would be done, and there's links to other stuff, which is great, but now it never ends. Because when I get to the bottom of the article, oh, wait, there's another article. I can just read that. And then I get to the end of that. Oh, wait, hold on. There's another article. And then like 15 articles later, right? And I'm thinking, what in the world am I doing? And in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm almost at the bottom of this, right? The little thing on the sidebar is like scrolling down. I'm almost at the bottom. But then I get to the bottom and it's like, oh, wait, it just moved up. And I'm describing this because there's this infinite time suck that exists in the world of entertainment, and all of us are swimming in it. Me too. Like, I'm not, this is not, this is like, all of us are swimming in it, right? Um, man. And the Sabbath says something to this. <laughs> It's hard to know what exactly the Sabbath is saying to this, but I think the Sabbath is saying, look, when you rest, when you play, just be cautious about scrolling. I mean, in the same way that maybe God says, look, I want to put a hard stop on the way you spend your time. Six days you can labor, do all your work, but the seventh day is special. And during this 24-hour period of time, you know, and maybe ideally it's from, from Saturday night to Sunday night, right? From Saturday sundown to Sunday sundown. During this time, let it be different. And it doesn't mean you can't go on social media. It doesn't mean you can't pursue entertaining things. But maybe it says, look, I'm just going to put some boundaries on this so that my entire time isn't sucked into a different kind of slavery. Because the Sabbath says you are no longer slaves. So the Sabbath is designed to transform our minds, but not just our minds. I mean, I love this, that, that God gives us this, this day to work with. And so it's, it's mind renewal, but it's also heart shaping and it's activity shaping. We want this day to experience the reality that we're no longer slaves. And, and I need to tell you something else. Look, God knows. God knows that you're too busy for this. Okay, God understands that you are way too busy to take a day off. He understands that. Um, but God has a different perspective. He has a bigger perspective for your life than you do. What do I mean by that? Well, God has this infinite perspective. And what God does is God plants things in our lives that will be better for you over the next 50 years of your life. Okay, because you're going to be too busy for the next 50 years, just so you know. 
you're going to be too busy. If you say, well, I can't do this now because I'm too busy, I'll do it later. later. Yeah, right. I'll do it later. Well, you're, you're ne- later's never going to come. And so what God does is God says, look, I realize that you are swept up in this current, and so I want to plant things in you that will make your life better for the next 50 years. And so busy plus Sabbath, you know, busy with Sabbath is much better for you. It's much better for your friends. It's much better for your family. It's much better for your children, for generations. If you make a decision to be busy plus Sabbath, meaning you don't let your busyness get rid of your Sabbath, then you will be much better and the, the lineage, the legacy that you will leave will be so much better and so much healthier than busy minus Sabbath. Um, I have a very interesting relationship with food, okay? There are foods that I am addicted to, like literally that have a physical addiction to nacho cheese Doritos. Okay, I'll just be, I'll admit it. Physical addiction to nacho cheese Doritos. So if they're in the house, my ability to withstand them. I mean, there are times when they're not in the house, but they're just a drive down the road and, and, and it's overwhelming and overcoming. And, you know, we can laugh about my addiction to Doritos because it is funny, but, um, but it, it, it's a real addiction. Um, I love sugar a lot. I love sugar, and it is amazing. Um, and it's, <laughs> I'm not thinking about food right now. I'm not. <laughs> I'm thinking about what I'm going to say next. <laughs> Several years ago, I decided, okay, what if I didn't try to, like, stop eating all the garbage that I shouldn't eat? But what if instead I just started eating things that I knew were healthy before I ate all the garbage that I'm not supposed to eat? And I started something. I started this trajectory. And now I eat all kinds of healthy things. I eat all kinds of vegetables. I'll take hands full of spinach, like giant handfuls of spinach that would fill an entire plate. If you put it down, just out of the refrigerator, these giant bags of spinach you can buy, right? I'll just take a giant thing of spinach, and I'll just put it on top of food that I'm going to eat. And it's actually not that bad, because for me, spinach doesn't taste like much. And so, and I'm like, I'm like super healthy. Like, I'm the healthiest person on earth. I'm so great. This is such a better version of me than me when I didn't do this before, right? So this is all relative. Like, so this is me talking about my own personal growth in this. So... Spinach, carrots, broccoli, Brussels. I mean, I'll eat all kinds of vegetables now. And I still eat all the garbage that I'm not supposed to eat. I am so much healthier. I'm serious. I am so much healthier because I've added vegetables. I've added healthy food into the panoply of things that I consume. It's also true that I eat less of the garbage because there's just less room in my stomach because there's spinach in there now, right? There's carrots in there now. There's all these other things in there now. Um, And so, plus, wait, I just said garbage about a lot of things that God really wants us to enjoy. So, like, can I take away the title garbage off of those things? God made sugar. He wants us to enjoy it. He wants us to celebrate. He wants to have joy with the food that we eat. And so, but the point is, the point is that 
that I have added what is healthy for me. And I've found joy in eating healthy food. Like there's this different kind of joy that comes. I mean, it's not cheesecake, but you know, it makes you feel good because you know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Friends, I'm saying all this, not as a confession of my own culinary sins, but because I, it's, an, it's a way to think about the Sabbath. Like I know life is busy. God knows life is busy. But God wants you to put into all of the busyness of your life, and some of it's good busy, a lot of it's good busy, but into the midst of your busy life, God wants to plant the Sabbath. God knows you don't have time. God just says, look, you just gotta, you just gotta push things outside of this period of time. Just gotta make room for it because there's never gonna be room for it. You have to do it. You have to make it. You gotta make it happen. And it's kind of like vegetables. Um, it'll make you healthier over the long haul. And at first, it's going to feel weird. It's going to feel awkward. It might not taste as good as all the other stuff that you want to do, but you'll find joy in it. You'll find joy in it. You'll begin to see its impact over your life. Um, there's something about mind renewal that happens when we just memorize a Bible verse and try to keep that verse in our minds. That is a wonderful way that we renew our minds, but there's something deeper when it comes to mind renewal. There are truths and realities that need to sink in and be practiced in order for the bondage and the slavery to end. And our slavery to the culture's busyness and to the economy and even to entertainment, we can't be set free from that until we walk in Sabbath. And that's what God's designed us for. So how do we remember the Sabbath? Just three things. There's three things that you're supposed to do during a 24-hour period of time. You can pick the time. I think Saturday evening to Sunday evening is a great time. I've talked about why in past messages. But how do we remember the Sabbath? Three things. You rest, you pray, and you play. So rest. Rest because you're no longer a slave. And so during this period of time, you just don't have to be on, you don't have to be in high speed, you can just rest, you can take a nap, you can do nothing and take delight in the fact that there isn't some taskmaster over you demanding you to work, but you have a loving heavenly father who wants you to rest. So you rest and then you pray and you remember that you've been redeemed by God. You were slaves, but no longer you are now redeemed by God and accepted into his family. And so during this time, I think it's wise to spend time with God. Like go on more blind dates with him. Like coming to church is a way to remember and to experience who God is and what God's like. Take some time during your Sabbath to think, all right, God, if this is what you're like, that means this about our relationship. That means you love me. That means you care about me. That means you have wisdom for me, right? And then three, play. Play, do something that's fun. Like do, like you are designed for joy. And so whatever brings you joy, do that. And in this, week after week after week, we will begin moving closer and closer to eternity, closer and closer to you being fully formed 
looking more and more like Jesus, living as someone who's free and not enslaved. I mean, what would your life look like if in five years from now you observed a Sabbath like maybe a few hundred times, right? Let's say you did one in three. So a few hundred times over the next five years you observe the Sabbath, you're gonna be a different person. Let's pray. Father, we see your abundant goodness in the Sabbath. We again confess that we just haven't wrapped our minds around this as you've revealed it. We confess too that we are enslaved to busyness and our economy, to thinking that our happiness will come from more. And we want to just exchange that now, God. We want to let go of that and run from those lies into the freedom that you have given us in Jesus. Give us wisdom, God. Help us to order our days and our weeks so that we can take a day off. And as we do that, Lord, draw us near in the resting, in the praying, and in the playing. And all three of those ways help us to experience the salvation that you've given us in Jesus. We pray this in his name, amen. We're gonna receive an offering next. And so if you're going to be giving, take the next minute to prepare your gifts. If you wanna give online, you can do that. The instructions are on the screens for giving online. But whether you give online or you give during the week or you're gonna give now, um, take this time and turn your gifts that you might not have thought of before into an act of worship. Um, Worship God now through the gifts that you've given to him. And as the band leads us, Yeah, begin to ask God and to pray, how can I make this a priority in my life?